1: Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening, and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community, and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Clifton Harness, Clifton is a co-founder and the CEO of TestFit, which is a generative design tool for the feasibility study phase of multifamily and small commercial projects. That's quite a mouthful. During our conversation, someone said that Clifton was bristly. and They said that because you can hear his passion for all things architecture and development and software. You can hear that come through In this conversation, I think it was great. He's educated as an architect and he gained experience in multifamily development projects before he combined his work from his b thesis at the University of Texas at Austin with his real-world design and development experience to build the tool that's known today as TestFit. There's an awful lot for us to learn from this conversation, and it spans from alternative careers in architecture to understanding the value of an architect, to developing an empathy for our clients that helps us produce and sell that value. I was fascinated. And this is another one of those conversations that I'd have been just really happy if it had gone on for another hour or maybe two, but time limits. Catherine McPhail joined me once again for this conversation with Clifton Harness, as well as backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host. And she's an architect and a podcaster in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and you can find Talking Home Renovations on the Gable Media Network. She's also the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from this conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Clifton Harness co-founder and CEO of TestFit. I think this was maybe a concept that not all of us are familiar with. Uh, maybe a little bit hard for us to uh, really get a grasp on what TestFit is, but uh, we're going to talk about that today. During during our uh, conversation, we dug into a lot of things with Clifton. Uh, we found i think we found clifton's passion too a lot of his passion came out in this conversation
2: i was thinking about how test fit doesn't seem to apply to what i do for work but i was thinking about the people who do do that kind of work and the whole idea of is ai taking over our jobs so but my sense is that he feels they're taking that test fit takes care of the quote-unquote boring part of people's jobs mm-hmm. so yeah. i was thinking about what are the uh you know less exciting parts of my job and i happen to be working on a project right now that is um dealing with zoning issues like uh we can have a certain amount of gross square footage and a certain amount of lot coverage and the client keeps wanting to change it so i have to keep like taking three inches off here and then see if it's going to fit and then redoing all of the area on all three floors oh, you
1: keep recalculating yeah
2: right so i mean sure it's not that hard because i actually can do it within my program and um but it is kind of a pain so it would be great if i could just have some kind of uh plug-in that would tell me as i'm moving it like as i'm moving a wall like what's the lot coverage what's the gross square footage at that moment if i move it to three inches or if i move it to six inches
1: yeah i i I think that's a great example, and and you're right. I mean, test fit is not for everybody, and, and Clifton makes that very clear. So you know one of the big takeaways is he's very clear on who his ideal customer or who his ideal client is and and makes no apologies for any of that, nor do I think he should. Um, and I think your example is a great one, right? If you take the the idea of test foot at a conceptual level, hey, here's this tool. That helps us analyze these things, especially in the feasibility phase, which is essentially what you're talking about there. Mm-hmm. Is this going to work or is it not going to work? And for, for somebody, you know, whether you do the multifamily projects or a single family projects like you're talking about, for somebody to have a tool and, and, you know, I'm picturing what you're saying. I'm picturing a tool as, as you're describing this. I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. Right. You're sliding things and the numbers are changing and all of that. And it reminds me of several months ago, I suppose now talking to Aton Sarfati from Swap. And one of my favorite quotes from Aton is, says, listen, what if you had a tool that took away all of these mundane things, all of these things that the human doesn't really need to be doing, that gave you the ability to spend your time doing the things that have the most impact, that bring the most value in in that way I think what you're talking about what Aton talks about what Clifton was talking about there it's it's all the same it's like do we really need to recalculate Clifton always talks about counting parking spaces that's obviously one of his you know nightmare scenarios mm-hmm. from his experience in firms but I I think I think that's exactly the right question one of the things that always comes up for me and and you know I love I love this question. What's the value of an architect? The value of an architect is not calculating space. The value of an architect is not counting parking spaces. It's, you know, all of, all of these things, it's the creative, it's the critical thinking, it's the design thinking, it's all of that, that, that is where I believe the true value of an architect is, is derived from. So I love this idea. I love your idea. So now you've got, to, you've got to build this tool.
2: <laughs> I would love to, but I don't have any idea how to do that. Yeah. So what I wish existed was somebody who was sitting around waiting for my good ideas to implement them. So all these yes. ideas I or anybody else might have for apps, we could sell these ideas maybe to people. And then we just get our money and they just take off with the app or not. Right?
1: We're, we're back to the idea factory.
2: And we are. <laughs> it all comes back to the idea factory, it which does, is kind yeah. of what we do anyway.
1: It is, it is, yeah, and yeah. I, I think it's. You know, I, I've heard Clifton on on other podcasts talk about what he thinks the future of architecture is, and, and you know, and this is when when I've heard him talking about it, and you know, you're listening to this podcast. Um, you you may or may not know that leading up to these conversations that Catherine and I have with our guests, many times we're listening to multiple podcast interviews with these guests to learn what they're about and and hear the questions that they've answered before, and so on and so forth. So, you know, you'll get you'll get some of the the background through that. Um, I've, I've heard Clifton talk about this before, and he he thinks about it, or he talks about it in really sort of from a marketing point of view. And he, he talks about the impact that architects can have on the built environment. And In a couple of those conversations, he's he's talking about it on on probably every level, but from a high level as well.
3: I think the the biggest superpower of an architect is to be able to walk into any kind of problem and. Create a vision for how to solve it, and if you can't do that as an architect, like. I don't know, like you've, you've kind of missed the point of what being an architect is. Um, in a lot of ways, like the output of your profession is the built environment. So, uh, you know, I'm making it easier to count parking spaces and I'm making it easier to document these buildings. We've raised 20 million dollars to keep working on this problem. You you want you want good software. You got to pay for it. And you want uh, uh, your your clients to respect you. Get the best tools, get get the best site planning tools that you can to inform them with how they should execute this forty million dollar debt and equity package that they're they're putting together. I mean, I think it's it's a lack of like impetus. Like architects are waiting for someone to to come tell them what to do. Like you are the arbiters of the built environment. You have more power over the built environment than anyone else. You can go capture it. Like, that's what, literally what I'm doing. I'm doing architecture at a very different scale, right? Uh, and if there's anyone in your pro class that wants to go change the industry, you literally can do it. All you got to do is wake up and do it every day and be told 92% of the time that you're wrong until you're right.
1: Again, do we need to be counting parking spaces? No, there's no There's no value in that. Uh, no, No extraordinary value in that. Is there value in a project that makes you know makes place that designs places where people want to live, where they have access to quality of life, you know, those types of things. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of value to that. And um yes, yeah, so the idea factory, whether it's whether it's the our idea factory or whether it's the idea factory of of uh architecture, uh the profession. From a 30,000-foot view, I think I think that's one of the key components um, when when it comes to that question of what value do we deliver.
2: Why I'm thinking about a van, I'm not entirely sure. But what if we had a bunch of architects who somehow, somebody would be paying us to do this. So then we go to different urban areas where you're talking about quality of life. And how can we fix this? Um, how can we improve the quality of life along this Street Mm -hmm. or in this neighborhood or something like that. And then we just get the town officials, everybody who needs to have buy in. I wish it were this easy. I mean, you just show up, you could say, you could do this and this and this and this. And they say, oh, thank you so much. And then you go off in the van to another place where you can try to improve someone's quality of life. Like, I kind of wish that were my job because um, I think. I'm not alone in being one of the architects who has a ton of ideas about how the quality of life could be improved in these areas and would be happy to help people with it. If only that were the public process, which it's not.
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's a great idea.
2: In your Swiffer van.
1: Yeah. In my, in my Swiffer van. <laughs>
2: yeah. It could just be you and I could go around the country, just helping people. We could. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You would, you would, um, you'd have to partner obviously with the communities and, you know, figure, um, figure out how to work within their their framework. But yeah, I mean and that's and bringing it back to a tool like testfit or using the concept of testfit in another tool, mm-hmm. how incredible would it be to, you know, we would probably call it a charrette. Right? Hey, mm-hmm. we're going to meet with all the stakeholders and and um consider this that and the other, you know, whatever they identify as as the problems and and so on and you know you think about a charrette which i'm assuming that we all participated in charrettes all the time during school and maybe even in in professional life but how much time is spent okay well what if it's this way what if it's that way what if it's this way um and and then it all coming back to are there enough parking spaces you know your tool that you're going to build uh, test fit, whatever version for another project type it it really it really does speak to me, in that it's there's so much time wasted on th- th- it's not that the things don't matter, right It's not right. that the calculation doesn't or the the number that comes out of the calculation doesn't matter, but it's that you spend a lot of energy
2: mm-hmm.
1: on that calculation that you could be spending somewhere else that would have yeah. a much larger impact in, in the in the grand scheme of things.
2: I'm gonna write to my program to ask them if they could include that, because I don't they should be able to improve the I mean, they should be able to include the full square footage of a model that I'm making. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that should be easy enough to do. Honestly You're if I about just chief
1: architect.
2: Yeah, I'm talking about chief architect. Yeah, I don't uh well anyway, I'll just write to them and let them figure out how to do it.
1: The um there's probably a student at a university who could use something like Grasshopper to, <laughs> as a plugin mm-hmm. to uh, to do those calculations. Yeah, the, there's actually a team of students in my in my pro pro practice class right now. Th- this week they had to declare what their what their project was and whether they were going alone or as a team. And there's a group. I think it's going to be four of them. A team of four. That, as they were describing their project, I thought this is very much like like test fit with a completely different context and application but it's it's this it's the idea of generative design it's the idea of being able to take data, analyze data, you know do the calculations, however you know however we want to say that and And then apply it in a meaningful and valuable way, and that's that's what they're talking about for their project. so I had to mm-hmm. sort of bite my tongue a little bit and say, "Hey, this sounds a lot like test fit, but you know it, it's it's doable. You or I may not have the the knowledge or the understanding, but you know we could we could find somebody or we could we yeah. could learn it i suppose
2: well, it's pretty tempting uh to develop something like that or any of these ideas that we have is kind of what you were talking about of people branching out into tech from architecture. So yeah. I can see why people do that because if what we want to do theoretically is have an impact on the world in a good way, that could be one way to do it to help all these architects and developers like they do with test fit um, yeah. more simply do their work. Well,
1: yeah. And and I think, you know, that, that, that reminds me that one, one of the things that Clifton talked about was, developing empathy i'll i'll give my own version of it of what he said um developing empathy for your client and what they need and what they value you know his version of that is basically understanding and empathy for what's going to help the developer you know in the context of these multifamily development projects what's what information does that developer actually need what's valuable to that developer um, when they're putting together their pro forma with all of their costs and they're analyzing deals, what can we, you know, as the test fit user, what can you, as the architect, what can, what can you do that makes their life easier? Basically or makes their life better. And I, I think that's, that's the real key.
3: I don't think everybody's like me. You know, I'm an incredibly driven person. Like as of Kind of gone through like kind of the hell that I did, you know, during my working time to like understand even like why buildings are the way that they are, uh, which for me j- gave a lot of, I think, empathy for the developer, right? And empathy for the construction team. So what I'd say is like, it, it maybe isn't the right, it's not about the right time. It's about like, do you have the right empathy? to 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 step into the industry. Like this isn't an industry, this isn't an easy industry to like step into and be like, I'm gonna disrupt things. Like, you know, it, it'll kill you, right? Like just stomp you out. Like I've seen lots of startups fail, um, but have the right empathy, like know what you know. Like I know in my heart of hearts that architects and developers are better off working together on solving built environment problems. And that's why I will never automate away architects being a part of our our ecosystem. Like I, I'm, I'm saying what I believe the arbor is the built environment, like, I'm going to try to keep putting or keep architects kind of at that center of the discussion.
1: Whether it's a, a single family project, like what you're talking about, or multifamily, like what Clifton's tool works on or or anything else, you know, if we're, to me, this is again, this is my interpretation. This is me looking from the outside at what has happened in, in Clifton's career, you know, his journey. He went to architecture school, has his B from the University of Texas at Austin, his thesis project, and then his work experience has to do with multifamily projects and development. So he's starting to learn this world and he's starting to learn what it really takes to be successful you know, the analyzing the deal, looking at the, the space and what can go into the space and um, the performer and the costs and all, all of those things. So he, I think, is taking sort of the ultimate, the ultimate understanding from the architect's point of view, what, what do I know? What skill set do I have? What experience do I have? What expertise do I have? And how is that best leveraged for my client, the developer? And I, I think if whether it's um whether it's students that are in school now or practicing architects or whatever, I think if you really took a step back and look for that point of view, what do I know about what my project what my client wants to needs to achieve and how can I how can I really focus on that rather than five or seven or nine phases of of design services or whatever right is it construction documents i'll bet it's not you know is it something else maybe but i i think that's to me that's probably the biggest takeaway in terms of um you know looking at clifton and his journey and how someone could use use that i think you know if If you can do what something similar to what he's done and he's, it is a, is a tight niche. It's very focused on those very specific types of projects. And there are a lot of people in the profession that don't want to do that, right. That don't want to have a tight niche that, that want more variety and so on and so forth. And that's fine, but you could do what he's done and say, Hey, it's fire stations or it's museums or it's single family homes, or it's whatever the thing is, restaurants, you know, develop that niche, ask that question. And that would be transformative. Because it's not about, you know, it's not about Oh, well, well who's gonna, who's going to give me the cheapest set of construction documents so that I can pull my, my permit, uh, cheaper and faster, you know, which is obviously a version of complaints that architects hear all the t- or. or make all the time it's what is what do these people really need we talk about setting people up for success all the time what if you were a success agent
2: success agent
1: yeah what if what if your goal what if your entire mission was the success of your clients rather than getting a set of cds done
2: that would be more fun i like that title
1: and i think your clients would see more value in that Mm. They're always wondering why you spend so much time. Why is it so expensive to get to get a set of drawings just so I can pull a permit? How do we change that conversation? Mm. Change that narrative.
2: Success agent. Maybe that's it. Thank you. On you're on to something, Jeff. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about how we could because. In my job, I always have to look at the existing house on the existing land with the setbacks, and mm-hmm. where I live, it's very tight. So there's only a certain building envelope that we would be allowed to do. So if I, I'm wondering, would there be any value in in my computer program just generating, you know, a few options, and then me trying to make one of them work? I mean, would that really be useful, or do I do I still need to be thinking about that?
1: One of the arguments against test fit. and and this came up while we were talking to Clifton, this came up with our live audience. If I have somebody, if I'm an architect or I have somebody on my staff that's a, I don't remember what term they use, but a master planner, right? Someone that's been, go back to the multifamily example for a second, but somebody that's been planning these, designing these multifamily projects for years, they don't need test fit. Well, okay, fair enough when it comes to generating the different layouts. I mean, that's I used to do that. That's one of the reasons that TestFit resonates with me. You know, we would, we, I, and I said this at one point, we used to draw the footprints of each of the unit types that we were considering for the project, put them together. You know, we're, we're doing this on trash paper, trace paper, whatever you, you call it, onion skin, you know, different That's people true. call it different things, trace so we used to do this on Trace, right? And so you'd, you'd basically, you'd draw out two or three different building types, print them on the copy machine. So if, if you are 25 years old listening to this right now, you, it sounds like I'm from Mars. This is the way it used to work, okay? Wow. We, we'd put it on the copy machine, print those, print multiples of those out on transparencies, cut them out, move them around the site plan. And, and this, is, this was our version of TestFit, right? We're, we're generating different site plans, looking at views, looking at unit counts, and so on and so forth, building types. That's, in a nutshell, a version of what TestFit could do. But, and, and that was one of the arguments. Why do I need TestFit if I don't do this all the time, if I have a master planner or I am a master planner that does these types of things, and, and, and this is just second nature to us? All that is fine, but what's not happening, which is what I think is happening, in TestFit is it's not doing any of the calculations, right? We're moving these things around with the transparencies and, and the the trace. There is no calculating going on, right? So, I, I yeah, I can come up with with five site plans, five schemes in in an hour or a couple of hours or something like that. But then, what does it take for me to actually analyze? I mean, you know, we I used to have pads of paper, you know, type A how many of this and how many of that and how many of that and calculate and that still isn't running any any construction costs or anything like that. Yeah. So I think it's pr- probably the most useful thing is where where's the line? You know, where how do you marry these things up? Um yeah, you could you could do those those things by hand or in your in your uh, in your program. The way you always have Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't there's nothing wrong with that but if we're talking about value add can you add those calculations i think that's the big difference can you go to the owner and say hey listen not only have i looked at these three different options but here's the financial impact of these three options i think that's where the huge value add comes in of these types of tools
2: yeah no, it's true. And I really wish I did have something like that, because yeah. I know I have a couple hours ahead of me trying to balance everything. Because every time I change it, I have to go back and make sure that it's right, because he wants it mm-hmm. right to the very maximum on both. Yeah, that's yeah, hard. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it just takes time. It's just a little arduous. It's not impossible, but...
1: It is not impossible.
2: Yeah. But, but, but. I feel like every time he asks me to redo it, I feel like, okay. And then I feel like this is like, is this taking me a long time? And is it something I really feel like I can charge my fee for? But yeah, I guess he keeps asking me to add three feet and make this skinnier and oh, oh. anyway,
1: generative design. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what if, if you had something that if you had a tool that was helping you do that, even if it cut your time in half or a quarter or, you know, whatever, what kind of impact would that have on your business?
2: Yeah. But also, would I just charge if I'm charging hourly right? Then does that mean I only charge for a quarter of it? That's a whole nother issue.
1: We'll talk about it again.
2: We will probably keep talking about it, yeah, well,
1: well, I think you know as as you're listening to us talk about this and, and you know maybe 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 this has inspired you. maybe it's intrigued you. I think you do need to go and watch the whole conversation between us and and Clifton Harness and our live audience. I don't think the biggest takeaways from that conversation are about test fit per se. I think they're they're bigger, broader topics, you know, like empathy, like specialization, like, you know, tools and and things like that. But we'll let you be the judge. You tell us. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full context and clarity live episodes. And if you want more of the context and clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of context and clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, Join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern I host context and clarity conversations. And we take topics like this and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community. In your practice, and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is.